Good morning. Scott Luton here with you on this edition of This Week in Business History. Welcome to today's show. On this program, which is part of the Supply Chain Now family of programming, we take a look back at the upcoming week, and then we share some of the most relevant events and milestones from years past. Of course, mostly business-focused, with a little dab of global supply chain, and occasionally, we might just throw in a good story outside of our primary realm. So I invite you to join me on this look back in history to identify some of the most significant leaders, companies, innovations, and perhaps lessons learned in our collective business journey. Now, let's dive in to this week in business history. Hello, and thank you for joining us. I'm Kelly Barner, owner of Buyer's Meeting Point and the host of Dial P for Procurement here on Supply Chain Now. Each week, my business history co-host, Scott Luton, and I take turns traveling back through time to bring you the best business stories, innovations, people, and surprising facts, some of which you have probably heard of before and may still use today, and others of which are on the verge of being forgotten. If you enjoy our unique combination of storytelling and business history, take a minute to subscribe to the podcast and share a review. That will help others to find us. In this week's episode, I'm going to share one of my favorite business history stories, the founding of Bird's Eye Frozen Foods. I love stories that have interesting characters in them, and this story has two. The first is Clarence Birdseye, whose birthday was on December 9th, 1886, 135 years ago this Thursday. One of nine kids growing up in Brooklyn, New York, Clarence Birdseye loved natural science from an early age. A not-so-fun fact, he ordered a correspondence course on taxidermy when he was a kid, and he became really good at it. By age 11, he was so good he was teaching his classmates to do the same and charging them for it. I actually feel bad for his teacher. Somewhat unsurprisingly, he ended up working for the United States Department of Agriculture. He traveled all over to study animals and insects, eventually ending up in Newfoundland, where he learned to fish from the Inuit people. This is where we get to the start of his entrepreneurial journey. He noticed that because the fish froze so fast after he caught them, they were better to eat once they were thawed. Frozen seafood was already available in New York at that point, but it wasn't anywhere near as good as what he had in Newfoundland. And so Birdseye thought, I bet I can make more money inventing the frozen foods industry than I can doing research on ticks or teaching fifth graders taxidermy. And he wasn't wrong. The trick to his method for freezing foods was fast freezing at lower temperatures. This prevented ice crystals from forming in the cells of whatever was being frozen, whether fish or produce, making them mushy once they were thawed. Like anything truly new, he didn't just have to invent frozen foods, he had to win people over and convince them to become his customers. His first company, Bird's Eye Seafoods, went bankrupt because of a lack of consumer interest. But he picked himself right back up and founded the General Seafood Corporation, 
which moved to Gloucester, Massachusetts in 1925. As I've said, Birdseye wasn't just inventing a product. He was inventing an entire process. He had to create the boxes for the food, the machines that would freeze it, inks and glues that could withstand the moisture and cold, and filleting machines for his fish. That filleting piece is deceptively important. If you freeze a whole fish, there will be little air pockets left inside. He knew those air pockets would not only allow for the breeding of harmful bacteria and possibly make people sick, they could also lead to decomposition. Neither one of those things is good for market share. In the 1920s, fish filleting was done by hand. That's why Birdseye had to invent a machine for that too. Once filleted, they could be packaged into tight little boxes that were smaller for shipping and allowed less air to get in with the food. But people still didn't trust frozen foods not to be dangerous or just plain gross. So even with all of his inventions, Birdseye was kind of back at square one trying to win over his target market. Then, in 1929, Clarence Birdseye's story intersected with that of our other interesting character, Marjorie Merriweather Post. She was born in 1887 to C.W. Post, the founder of the Post or Postum Cereal Company. Let's just say he borrowed his original cereal recipe and the technique for producing it from the Kellogg Sanitarium when he was there as a patient, working off his room and board in the kitchen. In 1914, plagued by stomach pains that no one at the time could explain or alleviate, he took his own life. Then the question became who the Post Company would pass to. An argument ensued between Marjorie and her stepmother, Layla Young Post. One lawyer managed to find a letter from C.W. expressing his desire to have his daughter Marjorie established as the head of the company. But don't worry too much about Layla. She got $4 million in cash, a hotel, and half of Post's oil-rich lands in Texas. So she actually made out okay. Interestingly, either way the argument went, the company was going into the hands of a woman. Today that might not be a big deal, but this was 1914. And at the time, Marjorie was just 27 years old. She had spent time with his father over the years, even gluing boxes shut in the factory as a girl. And she turned out to be a pretty sharp businesswoman when she was grown up. She effectively invented the idea of consumer packaged goods, or CPG as we would call that industry today. Under the direction of Marjorie and her second of four husbands, E.F. Hutton, Post acquired brands like Hellman's Mayonnaise, Jell-O, Baker's Chocolate, and Maxwell House Coffee. One day, Marjorie and her husband, still E.F. Hutton, were floating on their yacht, the Sea Cloud, off the Massachusetts coast, like you do when you're the richest woman in the world in the Roaring Twenties, and they decided to stop off near Gloucester, Massachusetts. How exactly she found herself being given a demonstration of Clarence Birdseye's operation is hard to say, but she immediately saw a huge opportunity. Now here's one version of the story that I was able to find. Back on the yacht, as all good stories begin, Marjorie and EF were enjoying an exquisite goose dinner. Marjorie liked the goose so much that she asked who was responsible for the fantastic meal, naturally presuming that the meat was fresh. 
That's when she learned that the goose had been frozen using an ingenious new preserving concept pioneered by inventor Clarence Birdseye. She instantly knew frozen foods were the way of the future and that they belonged in her business empire. But others were not so sure. She had trouble convincing her husband and the board that this was the right plan. Fortunately, she owned more stock in the company than anyone else did, and so the board and her husband could not overturn her motion to acquire Birdseye. It took three years to work out the deal, but Post purchased Birdseye and all of their patents for $22 million, worth approximately $335 million today. Even with his newfound riches, Clarence Birdseye actually continued to work for the company, which was now known as General Foods Corporation. One of the problems he had always faced, going back to his first failed company, was that people weren't ready for his innovations, even if they did think they were a good idea. When he launched Birdseye Seafoods, it was the consumers that weren't ready. He quickly figured out that he could address that problem by flash freezing his products in the containers or packages they would be sold in, but that didn't completely solve his issues. And ironically, those issues were in the supply chain. Clarence Birdseye could package up and freeze foods in Gloucester, Massachusetts, but he had to find a way to get them to consumers. There were two problems to be solved there. The first was the lack of refrigerated trucks that would have been needed to keep the food cold while moving it from his warehouse to the supermarkets. The second was the lack of freezer cases in the supermarkets themselves once the food got there. He came up with something of a pilot program, and now, backed by funding from General Foods, he had some resources at his disposal. First, he leased a number of refrigerated box cars to move the product from his warehouse to supermarkets using trains. Then he selected 10 stores in Springfield, Massachusetts, and gave them freezer cases. He also took the time to train store staff and gave them the food on consignment, meaning they only had to pay him for what they managed to sell. Even in this first run, there were already 27 different products for people to choose from. There was fish, of course, but also porterhouse steaks, lamb chops, a few different kinds of berries, spinach, and peas, a personal favorite of myself and Trisha at Supply Chain Now. It still took a bit of time, but people started to realize that frozen foods were not only safe, they were also better and more nutritious than canned, salted, or smoked foods. Products that were only available seasonally could be made available all year long, and perishability was less of an issue, leading to less waste. Freezers became more common in people's homes and in commercial settings. Frozen foods really took off during World War II, when women had to put meals on the table very quickly after a day at work. Clarence Birdseye's inventions changed the way we buy and consume food forever, and this came in very handy to many of us in 2020. With fear over food shortages and the need to prepare nearly every meal at home, retailers saw a huge spike in spending on frozen foods. According to a February 2021 report from the American Frozen Food Institute, the dollar value of frozen food sales increased by 21% in 2020, and unit sales climbed by 13.3%.
So not only were people buying more packages of frozen food, they were also paying more for each package they bought. That added up to $65.1 billion in retail sales in 2020. But since we know that e-commerce was a big part of all shopping in 2020, groceries included, that volume also meant challenges for the supply chain. Cold chain logistics providers stepped up their warehouse capacity and increased their fleet size. Even the companies that make freezer packs were pulled into the mix. Demand for quantity was up, but they wanted to push out freezer packs that could be easily disposed of without harming the environment. And that drew new innovations as well. We often share stories on This Week in Business History that involve happy little accidents, as Bob Ross would say. But if you think about how many things had to either happen or be overcome for Clarence Birdseye to succeed, it is truly amazing. He had to be sent to Newfoundland. He had to like fish. He had to be extremely persistent. What if Marjorie Post and her husband had ordered pizza on the, on the yacht? Okay, I'm kidding. Heiresses don't eat pizza on their yachts. But still, what if they had ordered something else? Their ability to connect and align their missions and visions changed both of their lives changed both companies, and led changes that affect all of us to this day. So happy birthday to the late Clarence Birdseye. On that note, it's time to wrap up this edition of This Week in Business History. Thank you so much for tuning into the show each week. Don't forget to check out the wide variety of industry thought leadership available at supplychainnow.com. As a friendly reminder, you can find This Week in Business History wherever you get your podcast from. And be sure to tell us what you think. We would love to earn your review and we encourage you to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. On behalf of the entire team here at This Week in Business History and Supply Chain Now, this is Kelly Barner wishing you all nothing but the best. We'll see you next time here on This Week in Business History.